Hi everyone, Steve Perriman again on the Steve Perriman podcast. Uh, this is Wednesday evening when we're recording this, um, so no mention of the Europa game in midweek. Um, and of course, any comments are going to be towards the Chelsea game. Uh, an hour or so ago, it was announced that uh, the great uh, Maradona had died. And um, well, probably the world's greatest player. Um, I never had the chance to play against him. So I cannot be saying that from personal experience, but my only link with Maradona was through Aussie. Um, I left Spurs and joined Oxford United in their plight to save relegation out of the top league. And a couple of weeks after Aussie's testimonial, and Maradona was invited back to play, which he accepted. And I was desperate to be on the same pitch as Maradona. I mean, desperate. And I asked Oxford United, could I, could I take part in the game? And they said, not a chance. So, wow, uh, what am I gonna do? So I ended up going back to the manager and saying, look, what about if I do 10 minutes and I don't touch the ball? And he said, Steve, you can't play in a game and not touch the ball. It's not possible. And you will not come off after 10 minutes. So let's go for the easy decision. You're not playing. So I was devastated. But at least I took part in all the, um, the hilarity and the joking and the messing around in the dressing room with Ozzy and Maradona and the other players and saw the link that Maradona already had with Glenn Hoddle and, and how much they were looking forward to play together. So, um, yeah, sad day for football when um, such a great talent dies. And um, Howard, did you, um, did you come across Maradona on that evening? Yes, I was in the Centenary Club after the game and Ozzy came through the club. He was only passing through, but he stopped and had a few photographs with him and gave him Maradona in his first shirt. Brilliant. Yeah. Great, great player, of course. So, back to Spurs. What a great week it's been for all Spurs supporters um, with the current form, leading to a renewed belief that our club is making progress with the extra confidence that winning brings and extra confidence in the manager, leading a very good group of players, assembled together into a winning outfit, which without me getting carried away so far has proved itself to be a strong contender for honours possibly this season, but certainly one that's moving forward uh, with obvious improvements this far for the tests ahead. Uh, you may know through the podcast and some photos that uh, I was honoured to be invited to the Manchester City game last Saturday with other colleagues of Ray Clements to pay our own tribute to our great friend and share memories of our times together in the football trenches to try and, I suppose, gain strength from each other in order to spread the pain and disappointment that we're all feeling at 
the sad loss of a trusted teammate in these already sad, strange and difficult times. So what started off as a really sad Saturday, it finished off being a respectful, important day to say goodbye to Ray and ended up a wonderful football day with a winning performance with a clean sheet and three points against top opposition that Ray himself would have been proud to be part of, especially the clean sheet aspect. He, he was obsessed with clean sheets, in fact. It was extremely nice to be reacquainted with a live match day experience. Uh, the getting ready, planning the easier than normal journey from my new home in, in Wiltshire. And then to witness the amazing work behind the scenes to be able to stage such a top class game in safety and the measures in place to, to make sure that football is allowed to continue, albeit not yet with the important supporters' presence or atmosphere created by their noise and passion. Which although very strange, in a way was interesting too for me to witness and certainly different to any other match day experience I've had before in my 50 years involvement in our fantastic game. The other, the other players invited were Ozzy and Pat, Clive Allen and, and Mark Falco, uh, Paul Maxi Miller and Robbo, myself and Mabsy. So it was great to, to link in with, with those people again um, you know if, if they'd have offered it to 50 players 50 players would have turned up but but they they were limited to to eight so it's difficult to choose eight out of 50 60 colleagues of raising in the Spurs history so just when you think you've seen it all something like this current situation pops up and just lets you know that you will never know what's around the corner that takes everyone by surprise. I mentioned the tests that our club faces in the coming months ahead and the next test being Chelsea on Sunday. As in pod, uh, past podcasts, I've asked my friend Howard uh, to remind us of important moments from the past clashes against the Blues. So thank you again, Howard. Um, what have you got for us this week? But before you do a little bit of background, Howard is from Southwest London. I think it's Chelsea and Fulham territory. How are you coping as a supporter, Howard, with the fact that we're top of the league, we're there to be shot at and living in a, a, an area that is is not comfortable for a Spurs supporter to sort of show their colours in. How are you coping with it all? Well, the funny thing is, um, ever since I first moved here, I'm within walking distance of both Fulham and Sample Bridge. Uh, so I should be a Chelsea supporter, I guess. Uh, clearly I'm not. Um, but I found to my amazement, the neighbours one day got all together, all the people who live in our road, and the only teams that anybody supported was Tottenham. And then a couple of weeks ago, I think I introduced you to my hairdresser, who is a, is a 
huge Spurs fan. He's in, in the area. So, in fact, I've Absolutely. never come across anybody from them, from that side. They're obviously here. Amazing. Sure. But they're maybe undercover. Yeah. Okay, how, who are you going to lead, what are you going to lead us into? What memories? About the whole history of Spurs and Chelsea with a little bit about a couple of individual matches. Sure. Far away. So, Chelsea have become our bete noire. In the 60s, Spurs had a small advantage in matches between us. In the 70s, hard times came to both clubs, with Spurs suffering one relegation and coming straight back after one season. But Chelsea suffered a number of relegations and some prolonged seasons in the second division. Then we reached the 90s, and since then it's been disastrous. Their victories, victories over us were so painful, we failed to win a league game against them from 1990 till 2008. At least there were some wins in cup competitions, starting with the FA Cup final of 1967. I could recite this team endlessly, like I was Golden Gordon and Michael Palin's brilliant ripping yarns. Jennings, Kinnear, Knowles, England, Mackay, Mallory, Venables, Robertson, Saul, Greaves and Gilzine. Unused sub, Cliff Jones, the first sub to get a winner's medal without kicking a ball. In these pre-Chess and Dave days, Spurs produced an EP. That is a record with extended songs, mostly about London. I could sing those too, but I think you've suffered enough. I was 15 and went on my own to Wembley. The media built it up as the first all-London all, all, all final, the Cockney final. Chelsea were up and coming, yet they lost their captain, Terry Venables, to Spurs. This seems to have affected Chelsea's sight more than just a little. Tottenham were just too experienced and good for Chelsea, and the 2-1 win didn't do justice to our superiority. In fact, in fact Spurs had, had a remarkable run that year. We lost 1-0 to United on the 14th of January and were unbeaten in all competitions from the end, then to the end of the season. If we had worked just one wow. day in January and turned one of our many draws into wins, we would have won the double again. Another one, another one of these from a long time ago was the semi-final of the League Cup in 72. We were the cup holders, having won in, 70, in 71, beating Wolves in the final. It was a full-blooded encounter. The first leg at Stamford Bridge ended 3-2 to them. The second leg at White Hart Lane was again no place for the squeamish. Spurs fought back to make it 2-1 to us, 4-1 In the last minute, Chelsea got a free kick quite close to the sideline. Hudson crossed the ball in. It was not a great shot and easy enough for our fullback on the goal line to kick it clear. Our fullback was the late, great Cyril Knowles. As the ball came towards him, he inexplicably raised his leg and the ball trickled over the line and we were out. Again, there was music. The TV advert for Bread on TV was picked up by supporters and Nice One Cyril became a hit 14 years before the incomparable Aussie's dream. There has for a long time always been a group of clubs who were regarded as the big five, the big six, etc. There is no qualification or results to get your club into this elite group. It just come, becomes common parlance, especially since the advent of Sky. So the big five back in the 60s through to the 90s were Spurs, United, Arsenal, Liverpool and Everton. If you look carefully at FA Cup finals throughout the 60s, 70s and 80s, you will find there was often at least one and sometimes two of the big five in almost every final. Since then, Everton have fallen out while Chelsea and City have joined. Worth noting, these two clubs had benefactors with limitless cash. They almost shriek of their lack of class. Spurs should, in theory, have been omitted from this group as their success in terms of trophies has been tiny compared to the others. What they do have in huge quantities is heart and soul, and that is exactly what Chelsea lacked. Chelsea were struggling financially when along came Abramovich. 
He wanted to own an English Premier football team. He wanted to base himself in London, so he looked at London clubs and it clearly came down to Spurs or Chelsea. Chelsea is in a trendy area of London, while Tottenham is most certainly not. In addition, Levy showed no interest in selling, so Chelsea it was. Money was no object. He wanted titles and trophies and was prepared to spend whatever it cost. He brought in the top manager on the continent, Jose Mourinho. Incredible to think about our forthcoming match at Stamford Bridge this Sunday, with our manager being a certain Jose Mourinho. Since then, they have been champions a number of times, as well as winning many cups and a European Championships League title. They finished fifth that year in the Premiership, while we were fourth. As they won the Champions League, they were included in the following season's competition, and the side that finished fourth, us, were removed from the competition. I've met a great number of Chelsea supporters over the years and asked them how long they've been fans. The answer is always the same, something along the lines of, I followed them since my dad took me 25 years ago, etc., etc. Before Abramovich arrived, Chelsea's regular support was around 20,000. So how come there are endless numbers who claim to have never missed a match through thick and thin? No one wants to confess to belonging to a team built solely by cash. This translates into a lack of heart. They know it, and that is why they all claim to have been going forever. In theory, Chelsea's greatest enemies should be Fulham, their nearest neighbours, but they are too small. So they try to make the matches between Chelsea and Spurs or between Arsenal and Chelsea to be huge. It doesn't work. This is the thorn in Chelsea's side. The true rivalry and animosity in London is between Spurs and Arsenal, the North London derby. And guess what? This match is next week. The NLD. Watch this space. Well done, Howard. Thank you very much. Well, I'm going to pick up on the FA Cup final 67 as well. That's because this was a big day in Steve Perriman's career history. Um, I was spotted at the start of that season by a scout who invited me to train at Spurs all of that season. I was playing for Ealing Schoolboys. I ended up during that year progressing to Middlesex, London and England Schoolboys. Not on a form. My brother wouldn't let me sign a schoolboy form. And therefore, a lot of clubs wanted me. Um, Bill Nicholson showed his hand very well, caring letters to my dad, um, etc. So it came near the end of the season and I turned up for training one night, still hadn't made my decision. Bill Nicholson came around the corner, walked straight to me and I got the feeling the heat was on. And he said, Steve, are you going to sign for us or not? Well, Bill, I'm, I'm not yet. I haven't quite decided. Anyway, tried to fluff my way through it. And then he put a halt to it by saying, because if you don't, you're not getting a cup final ticket. Chelsea, on the other hand, Tommy Dockett, the manager, were offering to pick me up in a chauffeured limousine. My brother's parents being taken to the the. the the, the club where they, where they were celebrating before the game. And uh, we were all, all invited back to the, the, the cup final um, banquet, but no mention of signing. So imagine the difference between Bill Nicholson and Tommy Doherty of Chelsea. So despite this pressure, I decided not to say that I'm going to sign 
but Spurs still gave me a ticket as they did my brother as well. And I decided because of that, that I was going to sign for them. And uh, so that was the first ever FA Cup final I'd been to. I suppose I was in Spurs colours by then without even wearing them, but I'd, I was, I'd put my mind in the Tottenham camp. So I was delighted with the victory and, um, and I joined them a month or so later. So it, it, it uh, has great memories for me. Fantastic uh, victory. I like the style of the club, the kit, the definite style of the manager, Bill Nicholson. And um, that all showed itself in that cup final day in 1967. So other games to talk about, Howard has uh, touched on one, which was in 1970, we won a, uh, a game at Chelsea, 2-0, horrendous, horrendous weather, rain, cold, wind. And someone wrote to me and said that, you know, the, the, the terrible uh, conditions at Stamford Bridge the away supporters were getting abused, of course, and wet and cold. And then up popped uh, Alan Mullery and Jimmy Pierce in the last few minutes to, to score the winning goals. Uh, I don't remember too much about the game other than that it was a slog from start to finish. Um, but when you finish in such a style, you go home on a cloud. And I remember my father and my brother waiting for me to drive me home. And uh, we, we floated home uh, on the back of that victory. Mike Kahn, a, a, a friend of mine, uh, pointed out that um, a few times in the previous six games, Chelsea had been two goals down in the relevant game and always came back to at least get a draw. So... You chose the right tactics on that day, Steve. Not me, but someone chose it to score late so they didn't have any chance to, to get it back. Also, the, um, the relegation issue with Chelsea, 74-75, um, 2-0 um, victory. Again, myself scoring with Alfie Kahn, uh, which almost um, meant that Chelsea were going to get relegated. I remember it because being a, a North Oak boy, but very close to Hayes, um, Ray Wilkins, a young, young, younger player than me, was captain for them. I think he was 19-year-old captain. I must have been 21, 22. And um, yeah, what a, what a devastating thing that would have been for a young captain to, to lose that game and get relegated. Lots of crowd trouble on the pitch before the game. I think the game kicked off about 15 minutes late. But uh, again, uh, when, you, when you beat um, such opponents in such an important game, uh, then always more important. I'm, we never used to speak about goals on the break in, in the old days but they you know of course it's spoken about now and um, my goal was on the break because I ended up passing the ball down the wing um, from probably halfway of my own half and when the ball eventually did come in I was there to 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 score so good memories for me the other one that Howard mentioned was the the two-legged league cup semi-final 
I missed the first leg, Howard. I don't know if you remember that. I think Terry Naylor replaced me and actually scored on the day in a 3-2 loss. So Terry didn't do himself any harm on that day. Him and Chiv scored. Uh, and then the replay, as you very well explained, uh, ended up 2-2, Chivers and Peters. But the very unusual, um, solid Cyril Knowles uh, must have took his eye off the ball and how the ball finished in our net from a very weak free kick that sort of went under the wall and was rolling, no more than rolling. But it ended up in our, um, in our net. I take issue with you a little bit about Chelsea's crowd, Howard, because in that, uh, going back to the 1970 game, the crowd that day, and I know that um, Spurs were good crowd pullers in that those days as well, there was 61,000, over 61,000 at Stamford Bridge. And I think that spoke volumes for the nature of the game, the sort of animosity between the two sets of supporters and how important a victory is to either side. So you do quite rightly point out that in later years, you know, they did have the Indian sign over us and, and we couldn't buy a result uh, from them. So there are my recollections um, from Spurs and Chelsea games. Uh, I, I hark back to the people that were were invited to pay tribute to Ray at the Manchester City game. So lots of people, of course, would have wanted to be there. Numbers suggested that they couldn't be. And I spoke to Keith Burke and Shaw on the phone about Ray after he was announced that he died. And Keith said to me, Steve, do you know I managed Ray Clements? So I said, Keith, of course I know, I was there. <laughs> I was leading the team, of course I know. He said, no, at Scunthorpe. Well, I didn't know that. You managed Ray Clements at Scunthorpe, so you must have sold him, Keith. Well, yeah, in a way, I mean, the club sold him, but he said, and this is what I like about Keith, he said, do you know why they made me manager at Scunthorpe? I said, no. He said, because they couldn't afford a manager. <laughs> Typical Keith. And in later years, when they were together at Spurs, Ray would say now and again to Keith, Keith, you made me a goalkeeper. You, you had such an influence on in my career. Why do you say that, Ray? Because, Keith, you were such a bad centre-half. I had to be good. I had to be good to cover up for all your mistakes. Of course, jokingly, but this is, this is how football was. Um, I've got another interesting stat for you, told to me by Mike Khan again, but he wants credit to be given to John Alley. They tell me this week that Bill Nicholson and Jose Mourinho were born on the same day. They have the same birthday. You out there may know this fact, but I certainly didn't. And I think it's an interesting one as per where we hope our team is heading for um, at the end of this season. 
So, uh, big game for us. Um, I think Toby was the one negative from the Man City display as per his hamstring injury. Be interesting to see what team they've picked uh, in this midweek game to play in the Europa Cup and how that and possible injuries affect the selection for the weekend. And then, of course, the week after, we have the big game against Arsenal and um, lots of memories of, of those clashes in the past. So look forward to speaking to you. Thank you very much, Howard, for your input. Um, very good. And Tom, for your uh, producing behind the scenes. So thank you very much for listening, everyone, and look forward to speaking to you next week. And for this one particularly, and they're all big games, I know that, but for this one particularly, come on, you Spurs. See you soon. Bye-bye.